This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as ever, is Lyle Fulton, and I am joined, as ever, by the wonderful, the incredible Jackie Vors. Jackie, how are you this fine Friday afternoon, looking resplendent as ever? How are you? <laughs> how has your week been? How are you getting on this fine Friday afternoon? Well, it's been a week of highs and lows, as is very usual in PR, especially when you're catching up on everything after a big event. But we're ending on a high with our wonderful guest. We most certainly are. And this is the thing. We're both beaming from ear to ear, listeners. If you're not watching us on YouTube, we're uh, we're joined this week by a guest that we wanted to have on for a long, long time. She is a great, great friend of Jackie's. She's a brilliant friend of Demozo as a whole. She is the wonderful, the incredible Patty Toledo. Patty, who is wait for this listeners okay because it's basically a roll call (laughs) okay just wait for this and if you're on youtube right i've had to switch screens on my computer because i have to basically read this i'm quite good at learning stuff but i gotta rattle it off right okay i gotta rattle it off accurately patty is a women in games ambassador she is the head of creative community at playsense she is the head of content at steel media she basically looks after jackie at events as we've said on previous episodes of the podcast the list does go on from there but we won't take up any more time on that because you're just unreal patty welcome to the podcast how are you this fine friday afternoon oh you guys are so kind to me i'm i'm great thank you for having me but i find it funny that you say that you wanted me here for a, i would leave here like <laughs> call me anytime i i i do it with you i i'm a big fan of the the podcast and i'm so happy to be here thank you for inviting me oh you're very welcome we're delighted that you could finally come to you for those who are avid listeners for people who are regular listeners and we do know we have lots of regular listeners now patty's mentioned a few times already on our podcast so it's great to have you here in person and having a good old chat with you a chin wag I love British English. Yeah, <laughs> the wag of chin. I love this. You've actually made a really good point there, actually, straight off the bat, because this was something that kind of went, you know, much as I've obviously heard a lot about you, Patty, from when I spoke to Jackie, not just on the podcast, but in passing as well. And we've been having a conversation when we've not been live on the podcast. I sort of go, you know, it's, and it's great to put a face to a name now because I think, oh, Patty, you know, I'm, I'm even I, and I said this before we went live, even I'm going, oh, yeah, Patty's great. And I said to you, didn't I, when we just first met in person the first time, I went, I keep saying how great you are. And it's actually the first time I met you, <laughs> which I think is kind of just telling of like kind of the reputation you have. But I mean, obviously, you're not from, you know, the United Kingdom. You know, whereabouts are you yeah. from? Like, where, where is your place of origin, country of origin? I am Brazilian. I was born in Brazil, but I haven't lived in Brazil for over 20 years now. And Brazilians usually hate me because I say I don't consider myself Brazilian. They don't like that very much, but I was born in Brazil. And then moved around the, the world after that. Absolutely right. I mean, this is a, this is another question I was going to ask you. Is and I'm going to be just as a warning, listeners. I'm going to be fanboying quite hard in the first <laughs> sort of quarter of this uh, of this podcast because Patty has worked all over the world. You're right in saying. And I'm, again, when I was doing my research before we came live on the podcast, you know, you started sort of work and you started. Well, you didn't even start, but your career has spanned across being a producer, a games expert. You've worked in music, you've worked in other areas of the media. But the music thing is just kind of what really grabbed me because some of the artists you work with, I go, wow, like I've grown up with these bands. I've grown up with these artists. I mean, can you tell us, I feel like we do ask our guests this quite a lot, but I'm, mm. I'm like, and I'm always intrigued, don't get me wrong, but I'm like desperately intrigued in the music side, the game side. Can you just kind of give us a bit of a rundown in what you've done throughout your career so far, how you got into the industry you're currently working in and, and basically tra- the trajectory you've been on since you started out in, in your working life. I can try. It's not, <laughs> it's not really a straight line. There are a lot of bifurcations in, into it, but I started working in music when I was 17. Started as a translator and personal assistant. I, I'm, I'm actually quite uh, lucky because the first person I worked with was Bon Jovi, which is kind of weird to begin with. But I did that with music for a long time. Then I went to have my own production company and organize events in South America. Had some successes, had a lot of 
of failures because, well, that's how life goes. Then I moved to theater, did some things in movies and, and then ended up getting in games because I had an idea about the game for music fans to connect with their musicians and got funding from Microsoft to do that and support from a lot of musicians to do like in known bands like Sepultura, Lacuna Coil, they were part of the game. The game never came to fruition. Again, another failure that was for a good reason, failed miserably. But the fun part is that people started hiring me to work because their first question was how someone that had no experience in games whatsoever got these fundings, these people in, uh, in you, I got, I won pitching competitions, like people were aghast of how I made it. And then it, I did a lot of work pro bono. That's one thing people sometimes misunderstand. Like, it's not like, oh, I got successful and that's it. No, I worked for free for a lot of people for a lot of time. For a very long time in my life, I had minimum salary and still survived throughout until a point that I had network and experience enough in the industry to get a proper job and and then building up and up the but pretty much but the part that I said it has by is that I'm a per, very weird person and I did a lot of things so I studied to be a stewardess when I was 18 couldn't be a stewardess because I had tattoos and at the time they wouldn't hire anyone with tattoos I did wrestling most of my life and was an MMA fighter for a while. I had my own gym in Finland. So it was like, it went kind of weird at times. It was me thinking that I'd introduced you kind of like with like the roll call of all the things you've done. You wrestled for a bit. That's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, that's I, incredible. I, I used to, I, I did MMA for a while and then I got really scared that I would be, because I, I wasn't bad, but you get beaten a lot and I was kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm too smart for this. Like, I don't want my brain to go mush. In, so I went to do pro wrestling, kind of WWE style. And although I loved it and I still have a tons of friends that are in pro wrestling, it's not an easy life either. Like, if you think that music less than 1% get famous in wrestling, 0.1% is even harder. If you guys are interested in wrestling, see a film called The Wrestler. That's the life of a pro wrestler wow. with, with me correct is that hard yeah. and it's uh, so at the same time I got a, an offer to do a master degree in Finland at the time and I went like yep I'm gonna do my master degree and go do something else I love sports and I train to this day but being a professional sportler is not an easy path well, to be very honest, nothing that I chose in my life was easy <laughs> to begin with. But some of them have proper ways of growing into a career. Others are very much based on luck. Like you can be the best musician in the world. It doesn't mean that you're going to be famous. You can be the best wrestler ever. It doesn't mean you're going to make a living. It's kind of like some careers are harder than others. Hmm. But as you can see, I have done three, four things at the same time all my life. So I'm kind of used to that. I can't do only one, which is weird. Where most people want to have like... You can't speak only one language. You speak six, seven? Uh, I'm fluent in four. I have good knowledge of two and then some knowledge of another one. But I'm fluent in four. Wow. And then I used to be fluent in five, but I haven't lived in Finland for such a long time. I can't speak Finnish properly anymore. I realized that the last time I was in Finland. I think we'll let you off that. We'll let you off not quite being able to speak Finnish fluently because you haven't <laughs> been there for a while, given that A, you're fluent in four other languages. And B, <laughs> if I did give you a hard time about not being able to speak Finnish fluently, you're an ex-MMA <laughs> fighter and wrestler. <laughs> So, uh, True. <laughs> I was about to say this is the most pressure I've been under for an edit in quite some time given that like if I get the edit wrong Patty will be there yeah. I'm joking I'm joking yeah I'm joking Patty's a soft heart <laughs> I'm pissed but she's a soft heart I am a very kind person sometimes I think a little bit too kind I should have give a harder time to some people but nah in the end I nah I usually say I pick my fights 
yeah. those fights are not worth it. But I, I haven't beaten anyone in years, so you're you're safe. <laughs> <I>. <laughs> Oof. There you go. That puts me at ease. There you go. That's good to know. That's good to hear. <laughs> so you landed in the games industry. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the games industry? I like the games industry because it has everything that I liked in music and in movies without the extra boys club. Like I will sidetrack a little bit and say, I find it funny that people in games keep talking about diversity and inclusion and how not inclusive. Have you seen movies? Have you seen the movie business? Yeah. Like in comparison, games are extremely inclusive like uh, music and movies are so much controlled by old cis men that don't necessarily know the market at all but have all the money so what attracted me first is it's a better environment than this industry you have a clear path of making a life in these industries that you don't have in other creative industries you're either super successful in music or you're going to be playing bars until the day you die. It's zero hundred. It's very hard to try to get 50% in this industry. While games, you can work in game companies and have a salary, have a life, have a house, and be said, you don't need to be the next supercell to be able to make a living out of games. Like There are ways of doing this. And it's interactive. It was one thing that I always thought, like, music is getting more interactive. But for a long time, it has been the artist and everybody else. And games were never like that. Like, the artists, like, the gaming industry needs the, the players. Otherwise, there is no gaming industry. There was always an interactivity there. And it's getting better on that. It's getting, the technology is, is allowing people to get more and more interactive. I'm a fan of fandom, which is a weird sentence to say, but I love the community and dealing with the community on work. And like it, not as community manager, it's not the thing of being there and sending messages and being nice. It's understanding the power of the community and understanding how the audience dictates what people do instead of being oh, I do this and the audience will like it. People misunderstand that. And I would do something that I do, putting it, because we're in a PR podcast, is that's one reason why I was really interested in the podcast from the game, because PR for me is really the connection between the products and the companies and this audience out there. And it's the middle people that need to understand both sides of the coin that most companies don't. They have only their side of the production and profit and market and investment and things in mind. And the audience doesn't care about any of that. And then the PR is like that inner cream in the cake that makes everything fit. And it make, And if you do that wrong, it's the worst cake ever. And it falls apart and nothing connects. And when it's done right, it makes everything perfect you know like so I find it really interesting how the community has influence on everything my goodness there's so much in what you just said to unpack and I think what you did there beautifully and eloquently was sort of summarize how interactive and how engaging and engaged this whole industry is and you're so right about PR and you know we struggle and a lot of the podcasts I talk about what we have to do is put ourselves in everybody's feet in everybody's shoes you know we have to think about what a player wants in this instance a reader a consumer what they want to hear what they want to know about but also you got to think about what the client and in this case the games company the games publisher the games developer wants to tell their players and it's really amazing that you kind of centered right down on community because in the games industry, when you're doing PR in games, you really have to be authentic and you have to tell the true story, the authentic story to the users and tap into what they feel that they're passionate about. Because it's quite, a pa- it, you're playing with people's passions, aren't you? Um, but one thing you said is interesting, and, and I would love to have your answer on that, Jackie, which is the a lot of times working with game developers, I realize a lot of game developers, they are not only very protective of the game that they are created, but they are 
they are very protective about their story. They they want to create a story for the audience instead of being natural and truthful about it. They they don't want people to know who they are. A lot of people they don't want to be in public. They don't want to be in the social media. They don't want to be part of that. And they think that all they need to do is do a trailer for the game and that's enough. And I wanted to know how you deal that with this. It's not always shyness, but this protectiveness of the self and the private when you are talking about the team and a company and doing PR for them. And I think you get that in every industry and not only in the games industry. I think you get it in a lot of creative industries as well. There's a mixture of reluctances to invest in PR. One can be shyness. One can be pure humility. When people just don't think they're that interesting, you know, we're just in the games industry, we're just coding a game, we're just another developer. And, you know, another thing can be pure secrecy, like, you know, people are scared to let the genie out of the bottle in case somebody copies them. That always makes me laugh because... Why do they think everybody's going to copy them? I think it's because of this East-West thing in the games industry. You know, they're always very cognizant of the fact that a successful game in the West will get ripped off and just counterfeited into Asian markets. But they will do that with or without PR. (laughs) That'll happen anyway. So, you know, just, you know, deal with it, basically. So there are a number of reluctance. Another reluctance comes from the fact that if you really get PR, you can't necessarily attribute it straight to sales or to leads. It's an expensive asset and the marketing assets It's expensive in time and in obviously money, but the real understanding of it comes or the power of it comes when you're looking at foundation building. And if you build a foundation for a hut, you're going to end up with a hut. If you build a foundation for a palace or a castle or even, you know, the castle walls, you're going to end up with that kind of infrastructure. It's having that sort of foresight to actually understand, well, listen, Everything we do in PR can feed through to all sorts of, has multiple benefits. And that's what you get. That's what you understand, Patty, because I've worked with you for for years, you know, from messaging through to community management, through to investors, through to recruitment. There are all sorts of different benefits you get from PR, but it's very difficult to sort of explain that to a newbie, whether that be in games or any industry. And finally, and I think the most interesting thing is that when you're sort of looking at the long term of getting those players or getting those consumers to buy your products, it's that long term reputation and that long term perception of you that can't be established through advertising, through UA campaigns or anything else other than what you've done at the beginning. So those are my thoughts. How do you overcome it? Well, doing things like this, you know, educating, yeah debating discussing and you know what sometimes and we've actually had this conversation ourselves we've decided that money is best spent elsewhere in in certain circumstances sometimes if you've got limited budgets you've got to have to evaluate your nice to have and your must have and sometimes you know I will say to developers if you're really trying to just up your numbers take your money and put it into user acquisition but try and use different, you know, tools than just your your obvious ones and spend a little bit of time doing your A-B testing and making sure that, you know, you're using that money, you're getting the most bang for your buck. But yeah, it's interesting. But with the humility side of things, yeah, that's a hard one to, to overcome because people just genuinely don't feel like they've got anything to shout about. Oh, one thing I noticed as well is... A lot of the companies I work with, and this is not shading any company. This is general in every, it doesn't matter if it was in games, in music. It it has always been is PR is something that a lot of the industries don't know what it encompasses and how far it can go. I have talked to people that think the PR is only sending press releases to media. I have talked to people that think the PR is a whole marketing department, that they don't need to have a marketing department if they have a PR. They really don't understand how it is. And I think it goes with what you are saying that a lot of times the expectations that people come into working with a PR agency are not in line with what PR is and what, and a lot of agencies, don't get me wrong, 
uh, I know Dimozo does that, and there are great out agencies out, out there that end up expanding what they can do beyond PR to be able to accommodate the fact that a lot of the clients don't understand what PR is and start having departments doing social media and doing user acquisition and doing other things to accommodate that. But if you are a professional, let's imagine not an agency, a PR professional that is only working individually, the difficulty that they have is that some people will see you as a personal assistant. Some people will see you as a damage control kind of person that goes there because for actors is a lot of that. Like they do and say something bad out there and then the PR goes running, trying to fix whatever you build. Nah? But they end up having to be flexible to fit and be able to be in the market. And this is a really hard to do, especially if you are young in the industry and you're starting your career you're learning how to be that professional in pr and so again another question how do you think is the best way to deal with these expectations we can communicate i know communication is super important and being clear about everything but even when people i notice that even when you are clear and you explain people don't necessarily listen but that's a really good point because some people do think they've listened or they just close their ears because they only want to hear. And I think that's a natural human thing, isn't it? If you look at, you come to Demoso, for example, and, you know, we're very lucky in the fact that we don't hunt clients down. We do all of our business by word of mouth. So usually when people come to us, they kind of know what we do and how we do it. But I often have clients come to me who just say, oh, you know, I've had three PR agencies. None of them are any good. I've heard you're wonderful. Can you work for us? And my alarm bells start ringing. Because Red I'm, flags. <laughs> you know, I don't think my industry colleagues are all bad at all. So why has something gone wrong then? You know, and that usually comes down to really bad expectations of the tool. And when I've really found I've gone wrong, and I go wrong frequently, when I've really gone wrong with clients frequently is to jump in too quickly and try and help them too quickly and not really get them to take a step back and go, whoa, 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 wait, what do you want to achieve? I'm often contacted when things have gone wrong and I'm desperate to want to fix them. And usually the fix has to happen really quickly. And that's the time when I, I've got to stop myself jumping in and going, okay, I'll run at it. I'll help you. I'll do what I, you know, what I can. And I think sort of quick engagements don't work. So how do you manage client expectations? One is dial it back and find out what they really need. And is your service what they need? You know, for us, they might have heard great things about us, but we might be doing a completely different job for someone else. So that's that one thing. I've had briefs as well, interrogate briefs, I think. I've had briefs from clients that don't ask me the right questions and don't tell me the right facts. So, you know, in your brief to an agency, you've got to say, this is what our targets are. This is what we want to do as a business. This is our, you know, short, medium, long-term goals. This is what we see as success. This is our picture of success. And then I, as an agency, have to interrogate that success and say, hang on a second. So really, is a feature in the FT going to bring you what you want? Because your users are over there and they're not necessarily in the pages of the pink financial times. So it's taking that time out to interrogate. And do you know what? You lose people at that stage. You know, we, we talked about that not wanting to hear thing. You lose them then because they just like, oh, la, 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 la. that's not what I want to hear. Bye. <laughs> and and I'm thinking of a few people I've spoken to recently who I can name who just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bye. I don't, don't want to know. They make know. exactly that noise as well, by the way, listeners. That is actually word for word. That is an accurate, that's an accurate <laughs> depiction of the noise they make. Because um, we, we, we don't do misinformation on this podcast. That is exactly... <laughs> That's exactly the sound they make. Um, there you go. No ifs, no buts. What about you, Patty? You've been a client um, from, you know, many times you've run PR campaigns. How do you feel about, you know, your expectations and setting your expectations? You're on the other side of the... When I started working with PR, it was slightly more complicated because 
PR in a music industry is very different from PR in a gaming industry. And even though there is a connection and there are overlaps, it is a different kind of approach. And bear in mind that when I worked with, with music was 15, 20 years ago. So that also changed a lot. When I did PR for the first time, there wasn't social media. Yes. It was an internet. It was very <laughs> different. So yes, I am that old. Like I know the world without the social, without internet and social media. I think the biggest difficulty where, that I had was never from the PR professionals, but it was from my own team. Because even if I understand what it is and my department understands what it is and the PR companies fully in line with us and we're doing everything correctly. Other departments of the company not always understand the same thing. So a lot of times you have, because we're talking, for example, you use the example of a game developer and user acquisition. If you were working with a bigger company, you will have a marketing department that knows exactly what they're doing and they are working with the PR company and everything is great. And then you will have maybe a head of growth in the other side that will go, no, no, but my CPA is not low enough. No, no, you, the PR is not working. And it's not that is that you cannot compare apples and oranges. You cannot compare user acquisition with organic marketing. It, they are two different things. And at the same thing, you cannot, they are all connected, but they are not the same thing. They are all fruits, but they are not the same kind. So that's the difficulty. It was never that much from the PR itself. And I was very lucky. I have been working with Dimozo for years now, and I never had difficulty. And that's how, because the communication is very open. And it was always very easy to say, if the expectations don't align, it's very easy to say, look, no, what we need is this. Can we tailor things to fit this expectation? Because otherwise we're going to have trouble. Yeah. But internally, I think there is also this thing that the expectations are not always only from the person dealing with PR. And you just need to have one unbeliever to mix the whole thing up. You just need a CEO or or uh, or, or any, any like someone that has power to create that because the seeds of doubt mixes the whole thing. I have seen game developers that end up they were going in the right path and doing everything and then they end up not having the results because instead of keep going and improving and doing what they are doing they changed direction completely and they didn't understand that then you're starting from zero again because yeah. everything is about brand building and creating that relationship and they go other the other thing that I found really interesting, Jack, I would love like and and Lyle, I'm not putting. You can tell me your opinion too. I just realized that <laughs> we're having a girls talk no, here. I love it. Poor Lyle no, I'm is like it. on the corner. The... the amount I learn, Patty, from these things, I kind of sit there and absorb in the hope that I will one day become like this PR <laughs> Leviathan in yeah. like years to come, where I've just absorbed all this yeah, great knowledge, sat quietly, knowledge. and I'm just now this like kind of PR, you know, just <laughs> hero. Um, no, keep going. Please, no, I'm really intrigued. I also find interesting how, and I would use game as example, but this is in general, so how game developers, they sometimes think they have this best gem ever, that everything that they are doing is so interesting and so amazing, and the media will be jumping on it. And, go, and it's not necessarily like that. Like, there are I don't know, 100,000 games going out every day. Media have to be selective. Never be an original, a truly original. Every now and again, you guess you'll get one because it's taking advantage of a new type of technology or, you know, the fact that people can get together. I think that, you know, that collaborative multiplayer addition to the arsenal now on mobile has added so many different or brought so many new formats and stuff like that and you're so right patty because i have the 
absolute honour and pleasure sometimes to be the judge at the Big Indie Pitch, which you ran this year at Pocket Gamer. Uh, Sophia is a uh, Sophia is another that should be here. Sophia, she, yes, who is brilliant, much missed actually, I and mean, she she really is the big indie pitch person isn't she but you know we were sat there doing this almost like speed judging with all these people coming in with their their apps and games and they had to show us the game in sort of record time and some of them had developed amazing pitches and some of them were just like wow look I've got this amazing match three game that's fashion and it's like really new and you're like I was doing a fashion match three game just like this about 10 years ago what's different what's new and you know sorry if that person is listening (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say yeah I I know who that is you know exactly what it was but yeah sometimes not even that is like i have seen big games known games they go we have a new character venture beat should be talking about that like <laughs> really i think a lot of it's honesty as well i think a lot of it is having the guts to stand up to your client and go honesty it's just not interesting let's mm. think of something that is interesting. And a client will often say to you, well, that's your job, isn't it? That's your job to go away and work out how to make us look interesting to the press. And I say, no, it's not our job. Our job is to take a story, make it appealing, translate it for the press. And yes, our job is to come up with creative ideas around the content that our clients present to us. We can't make your game something that it's not. And we can't make your product something that it's not or your service something that's not. But if you don't involve us right at the sort of very genesis of everything or right into the weeds of the business plan, we won't know what we can take as a you know, shining, unshone diamond, shine that up, make that you know the most precious thing in the world that everybody wants to know about. That's the job that we have. And I think a lot of people come into speaking to us thinking that we can really, there's a very rude phrase for it that has polish. Oh, I know you want to say. And excrement. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Fine. You've, you've, people... you've been unusually good there and not oh, actually no, said no, what you uh... Polish shit is still shit. <laughs> I say it. Ali, it can be shiny. It looks like a little bowl, but it's still shit. Exactly. <laughs> And But you've got to have the guts to stand up to somebody and say, this ain't going to cut it. And have that frank relationship right from the start. So when we get started with clients that we take on board, we have our own client charter. And I call it our marriage vows because we are getting married to our clients. You know, we should be there in sickness and in health. We should be there through everything that goes right and everything that goes wrong. And in order to do that, they have to commit to us just as much as we commit to them. Mm. We are not servants. We are partners. And as partners, you're duty bound and morally bound and honor bound to speak the truth. And I think a lot of agencies race at clients, try and win a client. I mean, honestly, this whole, sorry, I'm going to get ranty now. This whole new business setup where people do fashion parades of agencies and bring them in and the agency goes, we've got this idea and that idea and this is brilliant and oh, that is horrible, brilliant. yeah. And they're all great ideas, but they won't work, but they sound fantastic. Mm. And clients get to think, whoa, you know, they're really good and they're not because they're telling me all this wonderful stuff I want to hear about myself. And this agency's taken a much more analytical and realistic approach. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear the hopeful guys. They're the ones that are going to do it. Well, I'm afraid usually nine out of 10 times, they're not going to deliver that. And so I I do have a lot of clients come to me and say, well, you know, we did everything we had to do. We did all the right briefings. We did all the agency parades and all the shows and everything else. We still didn't, it still didn't work. It didn't work because there wasn't that honesty between you. And that's what we strive for. And honestly, I do still get that wrong. I do. Even to this day, I get it wrong. 
but I'd strive for it. And I think there is one thing that people forget as well. well I will go back to the talking to the media, which is the, the fact that the media works with PR agencies because PR agencies are careful in curating the right content for that media. And it's going to make their life easier and it's going to work well for everybody. If a PR agency starts bringing, and Lyle, you're going to have beeps through, but if a PR agency brings any shit for media all the time, like all the time is whatever is out we bring to, to the media, what would happen is that when you have something that is really that diamond that you polished and it's beautiful the guy in the media will go nah he won't talk to you anymore yeah the last few times you've brought stuff to me it's not been what i what i want it's not been what i think i can communicate properly you know yeah not only that you have to remember also that media is also a business Mm. so depending on who is the client and this is the same with event i will segue because i know lyle wanted to talk about the event as well yeah yeah. uh (laughs) <laughs> it's the same with media and with event. The person that is doing the content wants the best content, the best speakers, the best media, everything. They're, they're working really hard for that. But there is behind this person, there is a sales department that is trying to make money for that company. There is a management and C-level that is trying to make it profitable. There are investors that put money on it. And if that content, it doesn't matter if it's media or events, start putting people in that the sales team sees is these people should be paying, you're in trouble. Yeah. It becomes a layer of things. So then, and I tell you because with events, I have PR companies that I go, I don't want to, I don't talk to you anymore. And they are, they are great PR agencies. There is nothing wrong about that. But the client that they are trying to bring or the clients are for sales. It's not for content. It's for sales. And the way they do, I swear I'm not going to name the agency, but they will know they do that because they do that to me. They try me. Then they try the sales. They try the CEO. They send another person on LinkedIn. They hammer us in every direction. To a point that we go like, no, don't answer this person anymore. And that's the danger. When you get in events or in media and the response is do not answer that agency anymore, that's it. You close the door that is your partner and you need to have the door to be able to work and do things. So that's one thing that is the sensitive of the PR parade doesn't work because not everything depends on the PR company. Hmm. The PR company can do the best and go over the top and work overnight and talk to people all over the world. If the other side doesn't want to listen, if it's not interesting to the other side, they do not do magic. No, that's a really, really, there is no spell we can cast over something to make the magic. All we can do, and this is something which I think is incumbent on PR agencies, and I don't think that we do enough of it, is we can translate to our clients what those publications, what those events want. What do they want? And can we deliver that? And I think that's that's also really important, is to really understand your your channels, take some time out to do the research, take your time out to research the journalist or the event, and really see what the trends are that they want to be featuring. I mean, you, Patty, are incredible. How many speakers did you have at Pocket Gamer this year? In London, 300 and, no, 289, I think. It was close to 300. We usually have about 200 per event in never. That's about 200 people that you have to curate as speakers to deliver decent content to your audience who have paid to come into that show to be educated, to hear about new trends. They are not paying their decent ticket money to come in and get a sales presentation of something they're not interested in. That's your job is curating that content to make that the best experience that they can ever have. Not everybody likes me very much because of that. Because a lot of time I have to do what you guys said that of telling people like, oh, this is great. But if you do that, like 
in a very kind way saying, if you talk about that, nobody's going to be in the room. Can we please <laughs> work this out? Yeah. Because I get presentations that I go like, and Chris will kill me later, but especially sponsors. Like mm. a lot of people, they have this idea that if they are paying, they can talk about anything they want. And technically they can, but they need to know that the audience needs to want in to their interest to, yeah. to make that a little bit more tuned in to the audience. I mean, obviously as a sponsor, from that's the interesting thing as well, because I think clients have a tough job a bit as well. I'm not saying it's so easy and they're having a lovely time and, you know, are expecting us all to do everything for them. It's tough on them too, to understand the difference between sponsorships and earned editorial or earned content because the lines get very clouded over these days with social media. For example, I've just been doing a deal with Daily Mail for a piece with one client. And I know that if I try to sell that story in, the editorial content that we've placed with them, they'd laugh me out of town. They'd never run that story unless it was paid for. But still they'll curate that content to make it appealing to their audience for money. And they have to do that because otherwise they wouldn't exist and they wouldn't survive. But it's very difficult for me to go back and explain. Luckily, I've got an amazing client who really understands the difference between sponsored content and earned media. But it's in most cases, it's very difficult to explain to a client, yeah, you could buy that article, but they won't write about it. No, and sometimes even if you buy the content, the editor still will want to tailor that in a way that the audience was because there is a full circle. There is the part of the community. If the report is really bad, they will lose subscribers for that media. And then what you paid is not enough to cover the loss of subscribers that they will have. Mm. And I agree with you, Jack. And I, I feel that a lot of clients, they don't understand that for a lot of times for them to get organic things they will have to spend some money as well i can tell a little secret for clients is if you sponsor an event sometimes they sometimes will give you stuff for free as well <laughs> if you oh, that's want, a great tip yeah i'm here if, for that tip i yeah. love that i love free stuff that's yeah. that's my bag i'm here for the stuff yeah that's but if, if you ask for free all the time and you are a company that are doing sales in events and are clearly using for sales, yeah, we're not going to like you very much anymore. They need to get valued. And, you know, I'm also, I'm a passionate advocate of the media who are doing such a great job and providing that channel to our customers, for our clients. And so, it does have to cut both ways. There should be commercial budgets available to spend with the media that works for you. But I like to see people spend that commercial budget in slightly more creative ways than just doing an ad or something like that. Something that's going to be much more valuable and, and a, a real value get for the reader or the attendee of the conference. Mm. So it's tough for clients to really understand all those differences and all those nuances and even tougher is you going back to what you said earlier, Patty, if you've got to explain it internally to your CFO, oh, yeah. for example, and they say, well, hang on a second, haven't we got a PR agency? To I've seen a bill for the Daily Mail. Haven't we got a PR agency that should be doing that? This was something I was going to ask about, actually, because like Patty, when you and I were emailing back and forth about what to discuss on the episode, one of the questions that you thought about asking as well was this idea of how a client actually sees the PR agency, the PR company, the PR professional, and not not with regards to the work they're actually doing and the specifics of the work they're going out and doing, but actually how they see a PR within the framework of their own business. And you asked, to a business, is a PR a service provider or are they part of the team? The second they engage with the PR, do they become part of the team that's then that big sort of mechanism that organization that's putting the wheels in motion as they put their output out there. And I wonder whether or not actually the issue, and we call it an issue because we've been discussing it, the issue of client expectations runs alongside how the client actually sees the PR and, and the way they see them fit within their own business. Because if a client sees a PR as a service provider, 
then the example Jackie's just brought up where it's like, hang on a minute, I can see this bill for the Daily Mail. I thought they were providing me the service that they just get me in the media and that's it. Mm -hmm. Then fine, you can see it that way. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it's unlikely you're going to move in the same direction. It's unlikely you're all going to move together because you see them as just something that you kind of touch base with once every couple of weeks and don't give them a huge amount of stuff, like don't give them a huge amount of information. But if you, as Demosa does with all their clients, if you kind of absorb the PR into what it is that you're doing and make them part of the moving parts, then all of a sudden you're constantly, as the PR, you're getting constantly that sort of through fare of information. And you then feel more comfortable going to the client and saying, look, you know, because we have this relationship, but I'm essentially part of the team now, I'm almost your, even though you've engaged me as an agency, I'm almost your in-house PR now, because I, I feel like I know enough about the business. I know when to go actually know, but we can put you here, but we can move you there, but we're not going to go there. That's what, so I wonder, just to kind of sort of like, as we kind of bring this one to a close, I wonder whether or not, like, you know, you had any thoughts on that kind of question as well, like, you know, your own experiences of working with PRs who have been part of a team, your own experience of working with PRs who've kind of just been engaged with as service providers, because it strikes me that there are huge differences between the two. And there is no right or wrong, but I know which side we kind of lean on seemingly having had the conversation. I mean, I, I don't know what you think about that. I have seen all the sides. I have, uh, or at least I hope I have seen at least most of the sides. All the sides, we never know. I, I, I'm always amazed. But I have seen sides, I have seeing companies that turn and say yeah but we paid this agency we could hire a person in-house to do this and it would be cheaper they don't understand that when you're because it all depends on what is your position in the company and what you're seeing so if you are the person paying the bill and all you're seeing is the bills what you're seeing is a contract that says this agency is working x hours and you're paying this amount of money and these are the obligations if you work with a really good agency and i know Dimoso does that because we have been doing that for ages but like jackie said there are tons of good agencies with different styles different way of working but they all do that in a certain way is Good agencies, they will bill you for a certain amount of hours because that that doesn't mean that they are like psychiatrists. They go, your time is up. Thank you. And move <laughs> away. They are constantly trying. That doesn't mean they are your full-time employees working 40 hours a week either. It's a balancing between. Mm -hmm. But my experience with PR is I have never worked with PR in a way that I would send a message and say, oh, you're out of your hours. We talk to you tomorrow. Never happened. It's always, if you have a question, please say, yeah, I'm either the answer right away and say, we're going to look into it. Please allow us until tomorrow. We're going to say, but people are always available. And that's one thing that companies are a bit spoiled at the time that because they misunderstand what it is. A full-time employee is not necessarily available all the time. Mm. He's there. He's charging you for all the hours. Human beings are not able to work eight hours nonstop without any break. With the, Even if they are sitting on the computer and looking at you, their brain is like somewhere else because that's how humans do. When you're working with an agency, although you're paying those hours, these people are fully dedicated to you way more than those hours and those hours mean those are the minimum hours that they are going to be giving you to do the whole thing mm. and when they are really involved in the project they will end up giving you way more hours than that not because you are asking or paying for that but because they are fully engaged with they want to solve the problem that you have mm. they are in it because your problem is their problem they see that that way they want to say but for if you are just seeing the invoice and a document and you're not actually engaging with the agency every day, it's really easy to go and say, uh, why am I paying this much? We mm -hmm. can hire someone to do that. The other thing I noticed, I always find it really funny when they say any company say, oh, we can hire someone like, yeah, you want someone that has social media experience, UA experience, marketing experience, have a relationship with all the events, with all the media, and you want to pay them a normal salary. It's like, 
good luck trying to find one person that does that because an agency is usually a collection of people with different expertise putting it together. It's like you get a Frankenstein of a person because you have <laughs> other people doing, but they still think like, oh, it's cheaper to hire a person. And you know what? Sometimes bringing somebody into an organization is the right thing to do if they get what that person is supposed to coordinate. Mm. So, you know, if, if an organization gets to a certain size, there needs to be somebody inside the organization to be able to coordinate stuff between different PR agencies or different social media or digital agencies or whatever. So there's nothing against having somebody in-house, but there is no replacement of one person to 10. I absolutely agree with that. And bigger agents, bigger companies have several agencies. Yeah, like yeah. that's a, this something people because they think like, oh, you choose one, you're married to that. Riot, I think, has three different agencies they work Crazy. with for diff yeah and if if they go to a new market they hire a new PR company because different areas in the world have different approaches as well it's very true for me the best way of getting something out of your agency as a client and managing your own expectations is to have the most senior person in the organization on board and having a PR frame of mind and being actively engaged with their PR agency, because we are like really the messengers of their vision for that organization. We should be able to communicate to the press and get the results that the CEO wants to get. And we should be able to be at the table and understanding the decisions that are made and why they're made and being able to build communication strategies around there. And I think that that's why when you get those problems of having the CFO looking at a an invoice and, you know, touch wood, that hasn't happened to me for a long, long time and going, hang on a second, we know why we're paying that. It's because that senior level engagement hasn't happened. And I know that when we've worked together, Patty, you've always ensured that your seniors have been 100% understanding what the benefits are, but also what they need to contribute to that and to be in the right frame of mind for doing a PR program or a comms program. And I just because the thing of being a team or being an agency, I think there is no right or wrong. It all depends on the company and how big the company is and how it works. But the only thing I wanted to add to what Jackie is, is because we talked a, a, a lot about people that work with other agencies, didn't work, and then they come and they want to change. Because I know we have to close up soon. So I'd say, remember that different people do different things. I think the, the problem is not only if they are part of the team or an agency. It's also a part, if you come with baggage, you're not giving a fair deal to the new people that you're bringing in. It's like hiring someone in the company for a job that someone else already failed in. And so your expectations are already all over the place and you're setting this person for failure. And it works the same way with any agency. It doesn't matter if it is in PR, like in everything. If you come with baggage and you throw this baggage in people, it doesn't work. And it's like Jackie said, it's a marriage. So if you are already blaming your failure in past relationships in the, your new partner, yeah. That won't last very long. Whereas like Jackie had worked with, you know, this is, you know, she tried to claim that this was the first time she'd ever done a podcast, but she'd worked with like <laughs> dozens of podcast hosts before and none of them had worked out. And she came to me with like these like lofty expectations of how great I'd be at putting it all together. And I was like, I'm a mess. I'm a state. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, but you're absolutely spot on. And I think you're right. I mean, something I was going to say, actually, is I, I imagine it is a case by case, isn't it, as well? I suppose, you know, if you're a smaller organization, then maybe in the early knockings of your output, you do want to engage with an agency as kind of an extension of your team because you want to grow together. And that's the case with, you know, Ludo, who are a client of Demozo's. You know, Ludo's grown alongside having Demozo as the agency with it. But then if you're a bigger organization, you're reaching out to an agent, it's kind of you have a very set kind of list of things you want achieved and then it's down to the PR agency to kind of adapt and kind of you know duck and move with with those expectations but I think we've kind of really addressed the whole quantum 
of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of of how to deal with the uh, client expectations. I'm also really enjoying, and I think I'm going to reuse this. The idea that kind of an agency, in a really good way, is a bit like Frankenstein's monster when it comes yeah. to being. Oh, I really enjoy that description. Um, I really love it. Um, Patty, honestly, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I mean, we're going to have to have you on again because we haven't even got into you know your career at the moment and what's going on. We haven't even got into Metallica. <laughs> um or Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm just going to drop these names uh you know obviously for really really you know it's just shameless SEO boosting purposes um uh you know when it comes to the podcast but we'll obviously talk about those when you come back on um but before we do let you go Patty before we finish this episode um we always like to ask our guests as well like what you've got coming up what's what's happening with you like you know where you're going to be so do you have anything coming up like when it comes to sort of steel media things like that can you let us know so we can give that a bit of a plug as well on the podcast yeah, from Steel Media, we're organizing PGC Seattle in May. Then we have Toronto in July and Helsinki in September. We always go to Jordan in November. Like we have, our CEO is nuts and is always doing at least five events per year. We love him. My favorite joke of the week is that I told him, oh, you're so lucky. We love you. And waterboarding is not legal. <laughs> 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 he's gonna love me for saying that in a podcast <laughs> like but i love this joke <laughs> and besides that we have a, a mixer in gdc we have a mixer in in gamescom and the mobile game awards the mobile game awards like anyway it's because not all the events i'm super involved because some of the I, i'm involved in the ones that have speakers and panels and content the ones that are there are for example the awards that is a huge celebration and really good networking but there are no speakers so it's it's the time that i can have a kind of a breather <laughs> Besides that, I will be probably going to to several events as a speaker myself because my job at PlaySense, I'm working with their company culture. And I know like I'm exploding all the time, but I'm working with their company culture. So it's our idea and it's quite unique. So it's our idea to go around the world shouting at the mountaintops what we're doing. But I'm still on the planning and strategizing everything for the year. So I I tell you next time I come, I have a plan on where where I'm going to (laughs) be. Exactly right. I just wrote a pitch for Mobile Game Awards. Just uh, gonna put just throw that out there. I won't, won't, won't say what it was. Um, yeah, I just wrote that. Um, if it wasn't for me, I haven't, I haven't made a game. Uh, you know, that's that's not something I've been keeping from the listenership. I've just been making a game by the scenes that I'm now just kind of pitched together. Um, but Patty, obviously, that sounds amazing, and we'll do our best. In fact, we we'll just do our best. We will absolutely 100 link everything you've just said. And um, you know, I'm still waiting for my first Mozo away day. So uh, maybe that'll be Helsinki or Seattle. Uh, maybe that'll be one of those. Um there you go. There you see Jackie's hey, gonna we, be going we can organize for you to moderate <laughs> panel flyers. Like if we you can be panel moderator anytime. That to see all of a sudden it became very real and now I'm now I'm now I feel the pressure and now I don't want to go. <laughs> um <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but Patty honestly thank you so much. We will definitely would you like to come back on? It would be lovely to Absolutely. have you back on the podcast. Absolutely anytime I told you I live here now. Oh like, well it's been such a pleasure honestly it's been a really really brilliant chat and um thank you so much and we look forward to having you on the podcast again very very soon jackie same time again next week we've got another guest on next week we've got guests constantly coming up loads of guests coming our way now which is just fantastic exactly right and we can't wait to be speaking to all manner of guests you know we've got patty coming back like we've just mentioned uh we've got a wonderful batuhan coming on next week which we're really really excited, excited about, about that. Yeah, patty knows batuhan yeah he's awesome yeah exactly and he is unfortunately dealing with quite a lot of tragedy at the moment so even more respect to him for making the time to come to us from turkey oh yes of course 100 yeah that might be quite a significant one yeah of course it will be and our thoughts go out obviously as well in this episode of the podcast because this will be going out in the next um, week or so our thoughts go out to everybody experiencing like the dreadful things that are going on over there in, in turkey it's an incredibly sad uh, mm. thing and, and they're staying incredibly strong uh, as a nation and um, you know thoughts and, and prayers and everything like that go across to, to them and we look forward to having Batuhan on the podcast uh, and, and talking about you know a little bit about that possibly but everything he's got going on I'll run through some T's and C's as I always do listeners at the end of the podcast so if you would like to hear a little bit more about what we've got going on here at the rest is PR and as you can hear there is a lot going on then head over to the rest is PR.com you can also get in touch with us 
info at the rest is pr.com or you can get in touch via info at demozo.com we'll pick up on both of those and follow us on twitter we now have a twitter page as i've been raving on about over the last few weeks it is at the rest is pr with all of those t r i and pr being capitals i'm glad i got all through all that without kind of tripping up when it came to my twitter handle uh and as ever if you want to hear about what's going on with demozo then you can head over to demozo.com we will link everything and I mean everything because there is so much that Patty has been involved when it comes to steel media, PlaySense, Women in Games ambassador. Go and listen to some Metallica and Iron Maiden. She's worked <laughs> with them as well. There you go. I'll just drop those again because they're just unbelievable. Um, but thank you so yeah, much, just listeners. Don't play oh. Met- just don't play Metallica here. Lars loves complaining about copyright. Oh, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they're right. Sorry, <laughs> Lars. And Lars, if you want to come yeah, on. If you, we won't be breaking wanna, copyright. <laughs> if you want to come on the pod, Lars, offers always open. It would be fantastic. Yeah, don't you worry about that. Um, but thank you so much listeners for being with us once again on the latest episode of this podcast and we will be back once again for another exciting installment of the rest is pr from patty jackie and myself it's bye for now